0: Hello and welcome to our at any rate emerging markets focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the emerging market fixed income asset class. I'm Johnny Golden from the Emerging Markets Strategy team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, also from our Emerging Markets Strategy team. Saad, thanks for joining. Hi, good to be here. So last week, we discussed a bit the idea of this narrowing of the scenarios uh, in the macro outlook, which has been driving EM fixed income markets. Um, We have a narrower set of outcomes being discussed with the Fed. Global growth remains okay. And this week, we obviously had the FOMC, which was one of the lower volatility FOMC meetings for markets in a while. You know, along the lines of that narrowing of the, the, the outcomes, uh, we had four, four guidance on a cutting cycle ahead, but March was described as not being the base case, uh, certainly in the press conference. Um, and markets have consequently moved to price a lower chance of a March cut, uh, converging really around that that May-June time frame. Um, actually, U.S. rates ended up coming lower, but that feels like it's more on the back of uh, U.S. Bank stock volatility, uh, but that has helped the fixed income over the last week or so, just uh, uh, with some positive returns, um, not large but positive. But interestingly, also actually the inflation and monetary policy in emerging markets is also helping that. For in terms of pointing to to lower rates, um, as well as global manufacturing data this week, uh, seeing some signs of improvement, although still soft. So. Without too much incremental, uh, let's try and wrap up where we think we are in EM fixed income markets at the moment. Uh, so let's start with the FOMC. Uh, was this a consequential Fed meeting for EM fixed income markets?
1: I think this meeting was a very well-anticipated and a well-flagged meeting as far as EM fixed income and broader risk markets are concerned. If you take a step back, of course, we did have a pretty significant rewriting of the statement. At the same time, Chair Chair Powell did push back a little bit against the precise path, markets were looking to anticipate a March cut perhaps, and they pushed back a little bit against that. But that's really the detail. I think the markets had been anticipating this type of shift and what this meeting has done, it has confirmed the regime shift that we're no longer talking about rate hikes. We are talking about a regime where policy is going to be normalized. We're going to be getting rate cuts. And this meeting didn't give us any additional information other than confirming that we're in this regime that markets really have been pricing in and anticipating since probably since November and especially through December as well. So in a nutshell, there was nothing new to price. If you look at Deck 24 pricing didn't really change all that much. So I don't think markets took away a lot of new information from this.
0: Great, thanks. So as I said in the beginning, we've had some lower rates uh, globally in the last week or so. That feels like it's not being driven by the FOMC necessarily, uh, but rather a bit of of weakness in US banking stocks. But for emerging markets themselves, let's just try and remind ourselves what's actually been going on in terms of rate market fundamentals. So any incremental inflation, monetary policy, how's that looking in terms of fundamental supports?
1: So emerging market central banks, really since around the middle of last year, they they began their cutting cycles. It started off cautiously. They varied the pace of that a bit. But now those cutting cycles are well underway and they're almost on a bit of a preset course as it stands right now. They're not really dependent on the Fed. If anything, the Fed has become a backseat driver for emerging market central banks in the last few months. As as the market has come around to this view that the hikes are done, they're going to be cutting. So EM Central Bank's not really data dependent or even Fed dependent as it stands right now. And we saw that this week, we had several central banks cutting interest rates. We had rate cuts in, in Hungary, in Colombia, in Chile, in Brazil as well. So all of that I think is on a glide path for rates to come lower. In these emerging markets we're going to be seeing more central banks joining in on this cutting cycle in the next few months we're anticipating mexico to start in the coming few months as well perhaps as early as this quarter and then the asian central banks later in the year so not really fed dependent and as even if you think about the dependency of these em central banks on month-to-month inflation prints i think their sensitivity is actually relatively low to that sort of data noise that we might be getting in the next few months. Because the starting point for a lot of central banks is that policy is still quite tight, both in nominal terms, uh, especially in nominal nominal terms, but also in real terms as well, uh, across various central banks. So for those central banks, this is about normalizing policy getting to something that's probably close to neutral and then at that point I think the month-to-month data and the fed path will matter but that's a story probably for around mid-year is when I think we we begin to get, get that type of regime setting in. So turning to credit markets, Johnny, EM credit markets have been pretty stable in spread terms uh, in the recent weeks. Um, This seems to reflect some lower macro volatility. We've had about a 10 basis point range since the start of the year. Uh, Does this make the market look more attractive from a sharp ratio perspective? uh, Or are you still focusing really on those distressed names in the triple C or single B bucket?
0: Yeah, so I think that overall is is a, a market which is still quite split, where spreads look quite tight outside of that triple C single B um, opportunity set in EM sovereigns. And while spreads have been stable since the you know after the first couple of days of the year, we are actually still wider here today. We had a decent widening in the first couple of days, and actually other developed market credit markets. Um are tighter, right? So US equities up, European equities are up, both around three percent, credit spreads are generally tighter, and we are flattish. Um so that that sort of is where we think some of that tighter spread level for us in the sovereigns is weighing a bit. It we, we sort of feels like we're a little bit underperforming. Um and and also the higher spread part of the market is still therefore where. Uh, most of our focus is and actually that's very much where investors in emerging market uh, credit are focused as well. Uh, That may sound like it's a little bit crowded Um, so the general view is overall spread levels not that attractive but quite a lot of interesting things going on in the distressed but I don't think it's necessarily a crowded around a specific country. It's, It's sort of a theme which um, most investors subscribe to but then within that given the relatively large number of triple c and and single b distress type opportunities investors tend to like their favorites within that bucket so you know some people looking at argentina or ukraine or zambia restructuring or egypt ecuador etc there's a, a whole range of other ones as well um that that people focus on so uh i think you know, it doesn't feel like there's a specific crowded position there. Uh, obviously, people are, are doing a lot of work around those specific special situations. Uh, and a lot of that sector really is driven by um not necessarily the positioning in, in of investors in it, but really about those fundamental developments around uh, their ability to get financing commitments. And uh, to that extent, in the last week, we, we see continuing um, evolution on that. Obviously, Ukraine has been in the headlines uh, and Egypt as well around the IMF. Uh, and so I think that is still the bit of the market where you can see ongoing incremental developments you know particularly in an environment where uh the fed may be easing and, and global uh you know ability to access financing uh can start to improve but also from uh you know multilateral donors um and that kind of financing is key to that sector and and that's certainly where you know the bulk of our own focus is in terms of opportunities
1: Well, last week we talked about issuance in EM hard currency, both for sovereigns and corporates. It was looking very strong and contrasted with relatively uh, modest uh, or low inflows coming into EM uh, bond funds. Uh, So has any of that changed over the last week or so, or is that trend continuing?
0: So by and large, no change. I'll come on to say there may be some some on the margin here, um, January actually on the EM sovereign credit side rounded out the largest ever January of issuance. And that was a $47 billion of gross issuance came to market. Uh, you may recall that last January itself was a record January at $44 billion and ended up being a third of all issuance last year happened in January. Um, so that's how big it was given the full year. But This year, we've already surpassed it. It's not quite as large in net terms, so if you take off the maturities and coupons that were paid in January, it's only about $21 but that's still a relatively large number for for net financing uh, in a month. Um, On the flow picture, there are some glimmers of light. It's difficult to to extrapolate a week, but last week, we saw the first inflow in hard currency funds in two months. Um, So small comfort after a lot of outflows and it was very small as well um but uh you know generally um uh, the flow picture probably should be seen as one which remains weak we're down uh about minus 2.6 billion of outflows year to date um and i actually what's making people in the asset class feel a bit worse is that US high grade has had nearly 30 billion of inflows uh, now year to date. So it feels like we're standing out a bit and not getting those. Maybe this is the beginning in hard currency of a, a small turn here and get a bit better. Um, but uh, you know, generally, we don't think the flow picture is going to improve significantly until the Fed starts cutting, then we think it can improve uh, here. And maybe some of the good news about those Generally, global inflows into high-grade credit funds is some of that does feel like it's coming into EM via new issue, so not a direct allocation into EM funds, but we're certainly seeing uh, IG large IG EM issuers uh, being able to issue with with no real problems, and it, and it feels like there's a, a decent crossover uh, bid in in the that process. Um, I'd say the other good news is it hasn't had a major impact actually on. Returns And it didn't last year either. We had uh, 11% hard currency, 13% local market returns, despite 34 billion of outflows. So it does put a dampener on the spirit, but it it may not uh, necessarily weigh too much in terms of the outlook for for returns for the asset class. Um, So so let's finish up then pivoting to another one of these things we've been discussing, and and that's sort of around the way commodity prices have, uh, you know, Maybe weighed on EM currencies. We talked last week about how EM currencies, you know, they have not done too badly, but they've just seems like they've underperformed the global uh, positive risk environment in the last two months since the Fed started to be a bit more dovish. And we linked that a bit to to commodities and manufacturing cycle. Uh, obviously, this week we had PMIs starting Looks like to turn a little bit better on the manufacturing side, but a lot of that feels like it's also linked into the the China complex, uh, where equity markets have been quite weak and and there's generally been um, quite a lot of negativity around that. How are you looking at that? Is there, you know, what does it look like forward looking to you? Are we able to get some more positive sentiment out of it um, in terms of the impact as well on the asset class?
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's right that some of, at least part of the underperformance of EMFX over the last month, month and a half can be attributed to commodities prices, which not not um, for the entire complex, but at least selectively, it was looking a little bit weaker for some industrial metals and, and so on. And I think we can link that to the weakness that we were seeing at the back end of last year in global manufacturing cycle, which now does seem to be showing some signs of of turning around here. I think China is going to be very interesting this year. Last year, we were focused primarily on what was happening in the US and the Fed cycle. Uh, We only had a very short period at the start of last year when we were thinking about a China reopening trade that fizzled out really very quickly. But as you mentioned, you know, we've seen a lot more volatility in Chinese asset prices more recently. And we're also beginning to see a pretty significant stepping up of stimulus as well across the board from monetary uh, authorities and uh, on the kind f- of fiscal side uh, as well. Um, I think there are some parallels being drawn between. Uh, what's taking place now and the type of stimulus that we had uh, in 2015-16, the last time the Chinese economy faced significant challenges. Um, Our colleagues have written about this. They think that there's some similarities between now and back then. The overall level of policy support is unlikely to be as strong as it was in 2015-16 when we had a pretty uh, decent uh, uptick. Uh, in total social financing. But nonetheless, it does seem that the stimulus is looking like it's accumulating and it's going to at least put a floor at some point uh, underneath all this kind of volatility. And to the extent that can help this industrial and manufacturing cycle that's turning around, uh, I think that could be um, a, a tailwind for commodities prices, and EMFX going into the next few months. Uh, One area that I would focus on is the commodity exports of Latin American countries because that does seem to be a pretty good bellwether of some of these China dynamics as well. That held up pretty good last year, uh, but it's something to keep an eye out on. If, If this cycle turns a corner, we could see the first signs of that uh, show up in, in some of these Latin American commodity exporters The uh, figures.
0: Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan, at any rate, Emerging Markets Focus podcast. Thanks to you, Saad, for joining today. And thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content. For more information, including important disclosures, twenty twenty four JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the second of february twenty twenty four.